Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a February 24th Friday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host for today, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com. Sometimes to the Associated Press, former Blazer beat writer from the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. It's been a couple of days since we last posted. The trade deadline happened and nothing uh, else happened on the Blazers front. They did have a game and they had it yesterday and they won uh, against the Orlando Magic. Uh, Before we get into that game, just wanted to recap maybe some of the stories that we did miss from deadline day that you may have heard about uh probably the most important or noteworthy was that the portland trailblazers tried to trade festus Cecilia to the denver nuggets the nuggets decided to go with roy hibbert as a way to meet the salary floor and save themselves some dough while also giving them a player who could potentially fill in if an injury happens or something uh just kind of as an emergency player whereas Trading for Azili would have essentially just been just doing it just for the salary floor and getting really no benefit out of it. So Portland wasn't able to unload Festus Azili. They have their team that they had when we went into the All-Star break, and that team came back to the floor with Yusuf Nurkic starting this time. Looked like he was in a little bit better shape, perhaps spent the the All-Star break getting in, in condition, but the... The story uh, for the Blazers was a couple of things, but most importantly, Damian Lillard with 33 points, 17 of them coming in the fourth quarter. Lillard time was was back in force last night for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, it's been a while since Dame has had one of those magical fourth quarters, and he had one against uh, an Orlando team that the Blazers had a disappointing loss against the the magic are not as good now. I, I, I don't think anyway, as they were when Portland played them, they no longer have Serge Ibaka who is just a, a, a smart, talented veteran player. And they had Terrence Ross in the lineup. And I think they also, they, they had Aaron Gordon playing the four, which uh, the magic hadn't had him doing for a lot of the season and his more natural position didn't go well for Ross. Uh, Ross was four of seventeen from the field, and and Portland was able to come back. I mean, they, they were not playing well early on. They they really had to storm back. Orlando led by as many as fourteen in this game, but but the Blazers in the second half with Lillard punctuating things, but also 
Shabazz Napier giving the Blazers a major lift off the bench against his former Magic team. Napier played 26 minutes, almost 27, had 10 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists, 2 steals as well. And the lineup that Portland played with Napier in the lineup instead of Noah Vonley, who did get the start, the, the lineup of Lillard, McCollum, Napier, Harkless, and Yusuf Nurkic was absolutely dominant for the Blazers uh, in this game. In eight minutes of play, they outscored the Magic by 18 points. So Napier with the other two guards, Nurkic in the middle, and Harkless as the uh, kind of de facto wing defender, the position on the Blazers that I like to call the cleaner. I, I think he and uh, he and Aminu are both cleaners, and they just are there to pick up the messes that uh, some that, that that the Blazers may leave out there. Uh, I I like to see I, I liked seeing Harkless get some chances to to operate with the ball in his hands. I, I think that th- they made good use of that. And, and Nurkic, I, I thought w- w- was very good, just being a somewhat of a disruptive presence around the basket whenever the the magic were, were trying to get down there. He gobbled up rebounds. He had 12. He also had five assists and 12 points, three steals, and two blocks. He had three turnovers, which the Blazers had a lot of trouble taking care of the ball in the game against Orlando. However, they were able to make enough shots late from from Lillard and and and, and they they stayed on it and I and I think a lot of times it was refreshing because this season we've seen the Blazers now never really be able to get back in games when they're in that situation where they're down at least this season we haven't really seen them make those comebacks and and, and, and finish them off and uh yesterday they were able to do that they took advantage of uh, some small uh, some of the personnel and and, and they, they they went small against Orlando and, and it, it worked to their advantage or at least they went small on the perimeter it helps when you have a, a monster like Nurkic who who doesn't really give up sized in the middle at all so Nurkic looked good I thought the passing for the Blazers looked really good last night overall I know Lillard had a lot of great moments but uh, individually but I think the Blazers moved the ball really well. I liked the versatility that Nurkic showed where he could set picks up high. He was laying good screens on Orlando players, which was helping Lillard to get more separation, helping McCollum and Napier to get more separation. And then when he he's rolling, I mean, he's just a big dude, and, and he can post up a little bit. It's not it's not the best part of his game, but he has that capability and he's still super young. So you still want him to, to work on that so he can take advantage of, of smaller guys. And, and Nurkic was really good. I, I, I thought that he really helped complement what the Blazers do instead of trying to, instead of changing what the Blazers do. I thought that he complemented what they did well. And I, I was impressed with his passing because Mason Plumley was a phenomenal passer and ball handler. One of the things that Plumley was really great at was was coming and getting the ball and helping the guards when they would get in trouble. And Nurkic kind of has that same capability. I think 
obviously small sample size, but it, 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 some of the passes he makes, he makes very smart passes. He's making passes that are a, a step ahead, and that, I think, gets him into issues, which is why he had three turnovers last night. So it could lead to things, but I think right now in a team where he now has a little bit more freedom, I think he has maybe a little less fear about his role and whether he'll, if he'll lose playing time, if he doesn't play well, which with Nikola Jokic being so good in Denver, I think that probably created just a little tension naturally. And now that he doesn't have that, maybe we'll see him test the limits of, of that playmaking and I'm interested to see where it goes because I liked some of the passes he made there was one pass where uh I think there were the Blazers were doing that flare screen series where guys come off the flare screen and they go back around in a circle towards the baseline and and there was I think it was Harkless coming off and and, and people kind of flashed and, and Nurkic saw Damian Lillard floating to an open space before the defense did, and, and, and Nurkic was able to make that pass. Granted, Orlando sucks, so, like, exploiting a defensive breakdown on the Orlando Magic, you know, not not groundbreaking stuff, but still, I liked it. I liked uh, his creativity. I think that he is naturally a creative player, and when we had Plumlee here, when Plumlee first came here, he started to kind of experiment, but I don't think Pumley did have a natural kind of knack at playmaking, but there's just like a little bit more. It almost looks like Nurkic is, it does it with a little bit more ease, like, like finding the right pass. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like those backdoor screens and backdoor cuts. I think Nurkic can at least last night read the game very well. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how that skill of his develops with two great offensive players in Lillard and McCollum and a really smart offensive coach in Terry Stotts. CJ McCollum had 22 points in this game, six assists, one of three from three, but got to the line seven times. Ed Davis got uh, 13 minutes. He and Myers Leonard did most of the backup big duties. Jake Lehman got into the rotation as well over Pat Connaughton, which I think probably was more of a reflection of the fact that the Blazers were were low on size on the wing. And while the the Raptor or the, the Magic are not a good team, what they do have on the wing with their wing players is good size. I mean, Terrence Ross is a big guy. Hazonia is pretty big. Aaron Gordon is a big guy. Jeff Green is a big wing. So Portland, I don't know whether to what what to what to read into Layman playing. I wouldn't say that he's he's going to play next game, but but maybe he will. The it, the 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 Raptors have kind of sized up lately at, by adding Serge Ibaka and PJ Tucker from Phoenix at the trade deadline. So they're they're going to be a little bit of a more bulky team. Not to say that. Layman is a bulky guy, but at least he gives them some height and some length to, to maybe make up for that lack of bulk. But uh, Layman gets some minutes. Crab uh, w- w- was pretty quiet. Two of three from the field. Only took two shots. Played 25 minutes, though. He also changed his hair. No longer with the blonde, the blonde-accented Odell Beckham Jr. mohawk. So maybe it's a sign that it's all business. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he shot well. He, I 
and and he did his part, but Napier definitely the super sub of the game in this one for the Blazers. Noah Vonley played. He had 16 minutes in this one, seven points, four rebounds. He looked fine. I think we're going to see Vonley play a lot. Not a lot, but Vonley will play for the duration of this season. So I don't when 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 or if Aminu comes back. Maybe that maybe the starting lineup changes. Maybe it doesn't because where Portland is right now, they big picture wise maybe don't want probably don't want to make the playoffs. But they are the players on this team. Like I said before, the All Star break kind of kicked back up. The Blazers have been super disappointing this season, and it's been a very frustrating season. And now it looks like they're putting their chips in to get ready for next year. They got rid of Plumley. They got worse on paper ahead of the deadline so it looks like they're gearing up for a season of missing the playoffs but they're as we sit here Friday night there are a bunch of games happening the the Blazers are a game out and and Denver Sacramento Sacramento's out but New Orleans who probably is going to be good but they lost last night and there's really no guarantee about whether the the boogie the boogie Davis pairing is going to work, I like it. I think it has potential, but they also just don't have a lot of perimeter talent right now. They got rid of uh, Buddy Heald, who looked to have potential as a as a shooter, maybe, uh, and and they don't have Tyreek Evans, Drew Holiday's. Drew Holiday and Tim Frazier and Etwan Moore are their guys. So in in a league that keeps on going in a perimeter direction, and the and the Pelicans are clearly making a move to go against that and try and change the paradigm and shift the paradigm of the league by having two of the best big men on the same team. But we just don't know if it's going to work. And it's a really interesting position for all of these teams because Portland the guys on the team want to make the playoffs, but long-term, I think the in the best interest would be to have a higher draft pick, but it's hard, and it, it's going to be a really interesting last 25 games here. And if you want to get a ticket to one of those last 25 games, they, since the team is worse, maybe the tickets are cheaper. And the best way to find that out and see where the best ticket deals are is SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been a confusing process, but not anymore because SeatGeek has come along and changed the game. They've made an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell their tickets. Buying tickets is super, super easy when you have SeatGeek because they organize everything. It's a great user experience, and uh, it's, it's very convenient. It's the first place that I go to look for tickets to a game or concert that I want to go to. It's a really nice app. I looked up tickets when I went to a game with my friends over the holiday break, and it was super easy, and I got it really quickly, and it was super convenient and had no worries. And SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites to make sure that you get the best deal. They want you to get the most bang for your buck, so they grade every deal on a grade-based value from 1 to 100. That's called their deal score. And it'll help you find underpriced seats to make you or to help you get the best deal. But the best thing about SeatGeek is that all my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to collect that $20 rebate, 
download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code and enter promo code LOBLAZERS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. So 25 games left in the season, and the Blazers still could make the playoffs. This is it's not ideal. Not an ideal scenario. You Obviously, after last year, you wanted to see that trajectory go up and up and up. And if they, you know, they, they've clearly stagnated, fallen backwards, and getting to the playoffs would would kind of be almost the the the, the topping uh the, the cherry on top of a of a crap sunday I mean, for this season but these guys are competitors and i don't think that uh, they want the embarrassment of being a team that was picked to be a top 4 or 5 seed a team that was picked by me and a lot of other people to potentially win the division a team that espoused goals of making the Western Conference Finals and that totally plays into these last 25 games and what we saw from Damian Lillard was really interesting and I'm wondering you know how much of that is the ankle maybe feeling a little better after a long time of rest or 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 how much of that how much I mean I don't know how much that is rest but if Lillard has struggled uh since the early start of the season when he was red hot and if he rounds into form and becomes the the you know shoots more efficiently especially from three where he struggled the most and and if he can pick up his finishing around the rim which has dipped since the start of the season then you're talking about getting the the old Damian Lillard back and if you get that with the way CJ has played then that's as good of a bet as any team to make the playoffs, as crazy as that is. It, it, it is it is after the trades and everything, Portland is still in a position where they could definitely make the playoffs, and it would not surprise me if they made it. it and last night w- was a step for them in the right direction for them to achieve that goal. And the, the, bottoms, the bottom of the Western Conference in this race for the eighth seed is a really interesting one because – we all know that being in the middle is not where you want to be as an NBA team for the most part. That is the the general conventional wisdom. But for these guys that are on the team that are fighting for their jobs, fighting for their place in the NBA, fighting maybe to justify the value of their contracts for a lot of guys that signed bigger deals on this Blazers team, there's a lot of pride involved. And I, I, and I think that's part of what we saw last night because – Orlando is terrible, but Portland has been awful on the road this season. They've been 10 and 20. I mean, it's one of the worst road records. That's a worse road record than the Magic. And so they maybe they they turn it around. Probably not, but they got they got Toronto in in the next game and uh <laughs> So, so I don't, I don't think they're going to turn it around, but they're in a weird position where they definitely could, and it, it, it's going to be funny to see how how things play out because I think ultimately, like I said, the big picture tells you that maybe keeping the pick is that keeping the pick is is the best thing for the long term, but 
if Lillard starts to turn it around and starts making threes again at the rate that he normally has in his career, then then that gets Portland right in the mix again. They have Toronto on Sunday, a new look Toronto team who they may be facing without Kyle Lowry. Lowry is not playing in Friday's game against the Boston Celtics, apparently with some kind of wrist injury. I don't I think I saw as well that he's going to be evaluated later, so if Portland catches a break there to play the Raptors without their best player, then that's then that helps them keep the ball rolling even more. And for a team that, while they have really been super disappointing, they have had some really bad efforts, they have also had some bad luck. And it would be kind of funny to see that kind of bounce back here towards the end of the season and help them uh, maybe make a playoff push. They're clearly going for it unless... Uh, an injury happens or to Lillard or McCollum that they're still going to be somewhat in the mix for this eighth seed, this, this mediocre race for eight. So it's a really interesting and, and somewhat precarious time for the Blazers. So uh, really interested in, in to see how that develops. And also the, the race could get a lot tighter because or not a lot tighter, it could just continue to be as tight as it has been. Dallas made a move getting Nerlens Noel, so that is likely going to bolster their front court as well. And who knows? Uh, New Orleans keeps on making moves. They just dropped Omri Caspi, trying to, to, to get the right pieces around the Brow and Boogie. We'll keep a, we'll keep an eye on it. The trade deadline is finally over, and I wanted to discuss some things about that. The Blazers didn't make any any big moves, and part of the reason is that they can't. And I one of the the guy that I have long thought would be the most useful trade piece outside of the Lillard McCollum tandem is Alan Crabb and. I said this yesterday on Twitter that Alan Crabb is not Nicholas Batum, which he isn't, and there's no way you can objectively look at the Nicholas Batum trade and think that that was a good deal. That was a terrible deal. However, if you look around the league at the starting two guard for each team, it kind of becomes clear that you can that that Alan Crabb would be a nice fit on a lot of those teams. Now he does get paid a lot of money, $19 million a year. So people are like, okay, okay, okay. Maybe not slow down. I don't think he could start. I mean, there teams that I could think of that he could start on soon. You know, the bulls need to find a real answer on the wing next to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a big dude who can play the three. They could t- Alan Crabb would be much more useful f- to their future than Dwayne Wade. So that's that's one team. Uh, another team, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, they gave a bunch of money to Kent Bazemore. Bazemore's kind of sucked. Crabb has been disappointing too, but Crabb is a is a really good three point shooter and uh, has has carried that skill over and is shooting thirty nine percent last year and now he's shooting forty three percent this year. So that's a team that he can start for. 
the Knicks are a team that he could start for. I mean, we could do we could do this, and I don't care. The, the, uh, I know a lot of people have have said this to me that okay, well, you need to clarify that he would be starting for a bad team because some of those teams that I mentioned are bad, ex- with the exception of Atlanta. Who cares? That the whole point is that there are teams in this ecosystem of the NBA that Alan Crabb is an upgrade for them, which means that they probably would be willing to part with something of value. And that's where his case differs from maybe some of the other bigger contracts that the Blazers have on their team that don't look to be tradable. Myers Leonard, a contract that a lot of people look at and be like, I can't believe they gave him that money. Or Evan Turner. Another guy who, and first of all, you know, Myers Leonard getting that money, uh, sure, not a great contract. And I'm sure you'd have to get, you'd have to sweeten a deal given what he's shown to, to, to entice a team to take him. Evan Turner, I think provides, has provided something and he looked better before he broke his hand, but with the way he plays, the fact that he needs the ball in his hands it's just a lot harder to get a team to bite on that because you can't just be like, okay, this guy's going to seamlessly fit into whatever it is that you want to do, and he's going to be better. The thing with Turner is you have to change the way your team plays to incorporate him. And that's the difference between Crab and Turner and Crab and Myers Leonard is that Crab has elite shooting at a position and that fits into the context of every modern offense. And he has a no trade clause until July. And I think a trade market will emerge for him where Portland can get out from under his contract. It can't be traded this year unless he signs off on it. And we already know another team, Indiana, who actually reportedly inquired about Alan Crabb. Indiana, another team that could use a two like Alan Crabb. So while I know that his season has been disappointing, I think it would be, I would just like to remember that the NBA is a 30-team league and that there are a lot of teams that could use Alan Crabb. So that's my my little bit on Alan Crabb about the trade deadline that I wanted to uh, just kind of say because it it had been on my mind lately and I know that there's a lot of the 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 crab hate is, is real. I feel like there's there's a lot of people that are really really down on crab and let's not remember the Blazers also didn't pay him that money and I know that matching may have been uh you know you could look at it right now in this timeline where we are in February and say that that wasn't a good move but in July once that veto power is gone and a real trade market can emerge and the cap goes up again and more guys are getting more money than Alan Crabb got Crabb is suddenly going to look like a good option for a lot of teams and that's what I think so I think that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blazers part of the Locked On Podcast Network subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get a podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like to advertise on Locked On Blazers, you can send us an email to lockedonblazers at gmail.com or you can tweet at us, slide in the DMs at Locked On Blazers on Twitter. 
I'm Eric Garcia Gunderson, your host. Until next time, Blazers are off until Sunday when they take on the Raptors in the sixth.